Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Warrior, created by a destiny, fulfilling a destiny, bonded by the belief, the belief that at the king of the ring, I'm gonna kick your ass. I'm sick of hearing about the beliefs of the warrior. The king has beliefs. I believe that I will beat you. The ultimate warrior battles Jerry the King Lawler. I am ready, the king of the jungle. Now, I'm going to be king of the ring. You're looking at the next king of the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nothing is going to stop this man from being the king of the ring. He's going to mow you down. Expect Jake Roberts to leave his mark somewhere or somebody. The crowning of the WWF King of the Ring. I've destroyed The Undertaker, the baddest man to walk the World Wrestling Federation. Mankind, your tormented soul will soon be mine. The Undertaker battles mankind. Return match with the smoking guns. Sonny, you have drove your ducks to bad water. We beat you once, we took the ducks. And it won't be a problem to beat you again. The smoking guns battle the Godwins for the WWF Tag Team Championship. That's the most revolting thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Get him out of there! I'm at Johnson Will this time, Melt. My mouth. Ahmed Johnson battles Gold Dust for the Intercontinental title. I'd be scared because I got ripped off. I should be the champion. Mr. Perfect Rip. <laughs> you got the referee you want, so you won't have any excuses when I tune up the gym music and kick your teeth down your throat. Shawn Michaels battles the British Bulldog for the WWF Championship. Tonight, it's the greatest card ever in the history of the WWF King of the Ring. Hello again and welcome to episode 68 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And here we go entering the final week of February already. February is a short month, but what do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, uh, are you ready for the uh, Elimination Chamber? The Elimination Chamber doesn't really interest me that much because, I mean, the rumored main event of Mania has been Brock and Roman Reigns for since oh, last WrestleMania. Over a year now, yeah. Basically a year. Yeah. I don't see them changing it at the very end. They did a very good Raw on Monday where the first two hours of Raw, believe it or not, Patrick, had no filler. There was actual wrestling on Monday Night Raw. It was a two-hour gauntlet match, which turned out to be the longest match in Raw history if you consider a gauntlet match to be one match, which there's some gray area there because it's not like a typical gauntlet match where it's one guy versus many. Instead, this gauntlet match had when you lose, another guy comes in. Right. That, to me, that's a new match. We are starting a new match at that point. But How, What did you think of the match? I thought the first two matches with Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and John Cena were excellent. Yeah. But as soon as Rollins got eliminated and Elias was the main guy and then they brought in Finn Balor, the second half of the gauntlet match was terrible. Yeah. Now... Even though it was terrible, I would still prefer that to the typical two hours of Raw that we're used to with lots of talking segments, a two-minute match, more talking, more talking. Yeah. It was just refreshing to me 
as somebody who grew up watching Monday Nitros, where there was a lot of wrestling in those early hours. Yeah. And, yeah, there was a, a f- occasionally you take a break for an interview, but even the interviews that happened would happen during the match. So there's always this action going on. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was nice of them to try something different. Their objective with this gauntlet match was to make Seth Rollins seem like a credible challenger for this Sunday, and they accomplished that because he beat Roman Reigns and he beat John Cena. For the most part, I'd have to say it worked because I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, Seth Rollins, he's going to win this Sunday. Yeah. So it worked. But for someone like me and someone like you who knows that you don't come this far with a plan, and at the very last second back out of it right they've had this locked in they chose the entire wrestlemania location based upon having this match right and so because of that i don't really care that much about what happens on sunday because i already know it's gonna happen yeah and even though roman yeah he lost first on monday that's the biggest clue of all that he's going to be winning on sunday you know um if they were smart if it was my company I would have made the change a long time ago to go ahead and put Braun in in Brock's because Braun is the hottest act they have going right now. And they probably see that as being a year off. They probably see Roman versus Braun as their next Mania main event. But I think as hot as this guy is right now, I think now is the time to do it. But they're not. This is not a company that makes changes at the very last minute. So, And because of that... This pay-per-view or the next pay-per-view with SmackDown, the last two uh, brand-only pay-per-views are going to combine the brands uh, throughout 2018. These are the last two brand-specific pay-per-views for the foreseeable future. I just don't have any interest in them because, I mean, at Royal Rumble, you had Nakamura calling out AJ Styles, so we're not going to switch that main event either. You know, it's everything's set. Yeah. And so this is just a stopgap between here and Mania, and right. I just don't have any interest in it. Well, speaking of the Elimination Chamber, uh, the app game, WWE Mayhem, has uh, featured the Elimination Chamber all month. So it's kind of cool to play in a Elimination Chamber on your phone. That was that was pretty interesting. No, was it a seven-man Elimination Chamber? It was only a two-man, but yeah. Oh, two-man. But you were able to climb off, climb up, and jump off of the uh, the pods and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it's still pretty cool for a cell phone game. It's pretty interesting. Do you have any interest in these pay per views? Not really. I mean, yeah. I'm going to watch them. I'll watch them. I'll go back and watch, you know, highlights if there's something that I need to see. But as far as watching them live. I'm just not going to stay up that late on Sunday to watch yeah. something that I pretty much think I know the outcome of. Right. I mean, the the Ronda contract signing is probably the most interesting thing to see what – because that will build the angle to WrestleMania. But, I mean, even then, we've already pretty much narrowed it down to about three scenarios. I mean, she can go after the Raw title, the SmackDown title, or have this tag with Stephanie. Yeah. Which I think is the likely scenario. So – there's not just there's not a lot of interest for me. Impact wrestlers are now getting very upset because it has been stated this past week that they are now working and not getting paid. Well, that happens a lot when you when you deal with companies that uh, are on the brink of going out of business, as this company often is. This isn't the first time wrestlers in that company have not been getting paid. And the question is, 
how long do you stick with that, you know? Yeah. It's a very difficult thing, but it's none of the wrestlers' fault that the that Anthem, the company that owns Impact, when they bought this company a year and a half ago, two years ago now, they should have figured out a way to make it profitable, and they haven't, and that and that falls on them. Right. And that's why you've seen a lot of people jump, and a lot of people not re-sign or just retire altogether. And so if you're one of the wrestlers that remains, that means you've probably got nothing better else. You've got no other avenues to go to, but... I kind of hate to say it, but what do you expect? I mean, that's like abyss. I love abyss. A good, good friend of mine. Uh, problem with that is, is he? I don't see him going to WWE. Well, yeah, because he's. I mean, I hate to say it about abyss, but he's basically a mankind ripoff, and he is a TNA original. He's been there the entire time. He's been a part of creative. And there's a lot of people already in those roles, in creative roles at WWE. I don't think they have any interest in his wrestling. And I think he might do well over in Japan or in Ring of Honor, but I don't ever see him working for WWE. Yeah, I don't really see him doing much of anything. Uh, I'm, I hate to say it, he's a talented guy, but... Yeah, he really is. I just don't... He's the last original, and there's... He's so synonymous with that company, and yeah, I just I don't know where he would fit in anywhere else, even. Yeah. Especially given his age at this point. Well, a couple of quick ones. Um, you're a very health conscious individual. Oh yeah. You are. Hold on. You're a very health conscious individual. You you eat very. Oh, just look at me. Yeah, you, you eat healthy. Tell. Uh, you eat very healthy. No, no, I really don't. But uh, Eva Marie announced this week that she is completely going vegan, and so uh, Eva I, Marie, the former diva, yes. that's no longer employed. Yes, I found that to um, be interesting because it's almost like a publicity stunt to stay in the limelight. But it's—I mean—it's working. We're talking about it, so well, it's to find. To find her niche, I don't think even even Marie needs any diet of any sort. Uh, just by looking at her, it seems like she's doing just fine. Just on what the Kardashians and the Jenners are able to, the kind of brand awareness they bring to something, even if they clearly don't use the product, this is something that Eve Marie could, Eva Marie could probably get behind is because people want to look like that. Yeah, and if she says she's doing something, you know, if she's dieting a certain way, I'm sure there's a lot of young females and young males alike that would say, well, that, I mean, look at her. I want to look like that. Yeah, I want to go vegan too, yeah. But moving on, I can't believe I'm actually about to say this, but it is true. Terry Crews, the movie actor. Yeah, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Is now fighting with WWE and Apollo Crews for the use of his last name. Well, if that's the case, then uh, the WWE has already remedied that because they have dropped Apollo's last name. He is no longer Apollo Crews. He is just Apollo. Really? I also heard a rumor they dropped it because the uh, 
a terrible, the Parkland school shooter, uh, Nicholas Cruz. Uh, so WWE didn't want to be associated the last name of a school shooter. Yeah. But if uh, Terry Crews was going after them for the last name, then that just gave them more reason to drop it. So, again, once again, we have one of these wrestlers who does not have a last name because Vince does not believe in last names for whatever reason. Now, it's the most interesting piece of news about Apollo Crews ever because we still have know nothing about him. Not a damn thing. Other than he jumps around a lot, he seems very athletic, and he's very muscular. He looks like a baby Bobby Lashley. You know, I really I like his work ethic, though. Yeah, Apollo works hard, but there's nothing to him. Yeah, he. Uh, but I I like his work ethic. I think he's going to. Uh, I think he's very underrated for the fact that I could see him in being a main event picture. The only thing is, he's too. No short. way. He's too short. Not only that, he just doesn't. He has no personality. I just don't. Well, they put him with Titus O'Neil too, so that kind of killed. The Titus yeah. brand is dead. Let's be honest. Well, but before they put him with Titus Worldwide, he had nothing going on anyway. Yeah. He was another one of these guys that got called up from NXT that they had no plan for. Yeah, and has been lost ever since. And so I, I just don't see a future in this in in the main company WWE for Apollo Cruz. James Ellsworth, my boy James, has now defined himself as the new intergender champion of the world. Yeah, your boy Andy Kaufman, someone's taking up the mantle. I love it. This is a perfect perfect fit for for James Ellsworth. If there was somebody that could pull this off in this day and age, the Kaufman gimmick, I think it's James Ellsworth. I I love the fact that he has jumped on this. The belt itself looks pretty badass. I I really like it. And so Yeah, it's half blue and half pink. It's pretty hideous. Uh yeah, he's gonna get a lot of work out of it. Yeah. He's not gonna main event your uh your card, but he can be a comedy uh middle of the card, you know, comedy match. So it's a great gimmick for him. He can get beat up by various women. And yeah. for someone like him, he's got to figure out a way to keep his career going, and this is a great way to do it. Well, yeah, he's cashing in off right off the WWE fame. and he's uh, Right, his last match was losing to Becky Lynch. so He's able to ride, ride this into the sunset now. Good for him. It's not wrestling for an NWA title, but it's something that's going to get him booked and get him a lot of uh, get him a lot of work. Yeah, keep him in the public eye. All right. So I sent you a message this week, a message that shocked you to the point that you posted it on our podcast. I never thought this would happen. I don't believe you ever thought this would happen. But Double J. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Double J, Jeff Jarrett, oh, ain't he great, is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. No, it was really shocking. The last couple episodes, I'd seen this, uh, a rumor um, from some of the dirt sheets saying that he was a name considered, but I actually didn't bring it up because I thought it was so ridiculous. I'm not even going to 
mention it on these podcasts because there's some people that I just think are they're not getting in the Hall of Fame, um, especially while they're alive. Right. And he's one of them. I mean, this is a guy that Vince made it a point on that final episode of Nitro to fire on the air. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that held Vince up for 250 grand to drop the belt to China, the Intercontinental Belt. And I know that Vince has made amends with people that have done similar things, like the Ultimate Warrior, but the Ultimate Warrior was a star far beyond Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Ultimate Warrior is is an icon. I mean, yeah. there's some people that don't remember any other wrestlers from the early 90s, but they remember Ultimate Warrior for some reason. Jeff Jarrett's not one of those guys. I hate to say it, but when you talk about mid-90s, late-90s WWF, if you were to just ask a random person on the street, you know, you'd get Stone Cold Steve Austin, Undertaker, Mankind, Kane, Shawn Michaels, stuff Rock. like that, yeah. The Rock. Uh, you're not going to hear Jeff Jarrett's name in that conversation and then to start a rival company in tna which you know never got to the point of wcw as being a true number two as as being a true competitor but still nonetheless they got close when they they flirted with almost breaking through to that level but i don't think they ever got to that they never got to it so just those factors alone, I definitely thought this is never going to happen. Lo and behold, Jeff Jarrett goes to the WWF-sponsored rehab this past year after he was let go from Impact Wrestling. He went on the WWF-sponsored rehab, and so now apparently that has somehow reestablished connection between Jeff Jarrett and the WWE. In addition to, I mean, you look up and down this roster, it's all these ex-TNA guys from... Eric Young, to the world champion AJ Styles, to Bobby Roode, Jeremy Borash, who just got signed. Yeah. Up and down the roster, Rhino, trying to think of a few other, Samoa Joe, Kurt right. Angle being, not that, I mean, Kurt Angle made his name in the WWE, but his work in TNA definitely kept him as an active wrestler. I think I, I, the Hardys. Oh, Jeff, especially. Jeff, Jeff. Jeff. Christian. Christian, yeah. A lot of guys, and a lot of, and even someone like, someone like Xavier Woods, who was Consequences Creed. I mean, and even outside the company, um, Jay Lethal, who's you know a uh, huge yeah. star in Ring of Honor. A lot of these guys, the first time they got to be on TV was was through Jeff Jarrett's company, right? And so. I think at the end of the day, especially now with so many of them being integrated into the WWE program, EC3, who just signed, the list goes on and on. And I think not so much Vince, but even, you know, Triple H was probably the one to say, look, you know, he has, he accomplished something. This guy deserves respect because a lot of our talent would, we wouldn't know who they are if it wasn't for this guy putting them on TV. Right. That part of his career is Hall of Fame worthy. His actual in-ring in WWF and WCW, I would not consider Hall of Fame worthy. Um, his, his speech is going to be very interesting. I assume that it's going to spend a lot of time thanking the WWE for the rehab stint. 
And then a lot of it's going to be spent on on the talent that he developed. And I don't even know if he's going to name the company that he worked for, but uh, probably that. Not so much his in-ring uh, work because, quite frankly, there just wasn't a lot there to really hang your hat on. He's not one of the guys that I would say would never get in, but he's definitely he was definitely in the low possibility range, like Jeff Jarrett, you mean? Yeah, people that would never get in, Chris, uh, Chris Benoit. But uh, you I, know, I I literally I I'm thought he was on that level. I thought that there was no chance in hell, pardon the coin and phrase of Vince. Um, that he was ever going to to be asked or to get that induction. Um, it blew me away. It literally, I, I put on our Facebook that I checked the temperature in hell, and sure enough, it's freezing over because I, I never, I would have bet my entire life savings on the fact that he would never have gotten inducted. This was this is the one shocking moment of a WrestleMania weekend that I think you're going to actually get. Cuz I never I really I never thought it was going to happen. It's hard to think of who else they could induct that's still living that would be more shocking than this. Uh you know unless Ted Turner gets the call one year, you know, I would I'd... love to see Ted get get inducted. But Congratulations to him. You yeah. know, it's been a it's been a long road. A roller and, coaster of a career. And I I hope that he's doing better. I hope that this doesn't you know, I just hope it's not too early to bring him back after the rehab and everything, and I hope that he I hope he has a great Hall of, Hall of Fame speech and I hope he has a great showing. I don't think they're interested in bringing him back as a performer. Well but, that's what I was gonna ask you. Do you think we're gonna see one match? I mean, they did with Sting. They've already done it with Angle. Are we going to see Jeff Jarrett in a WWE ring one more time? I, I don't think they're interested in his wrestling. They missed a huge opportunity at Raw 25 if he could have done something with Elias since they both have guitars. This oh, would've, yeah. That would have been the uh, place to do it. But that was definitely the most shocking news of the week. That's all I got. And that's all we got from the news desk this week is it's time for your pick, King of the Ring 1996. I know you love this pay-per-view. Uh, I'm not going to say I love the pay-per-view, but, I mean, there's one there's one moment on this pay-per-view that, I mean, it, it's the most replayed, one of the most replayed moments in history, one of the most important moments in history. The card itself... Not so important. In fact, I'd say it kind of sucks. But anyway, it's June 23rd, 1996. We're at the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in front of 8,762 people. Now, King of the Ring 96 was supposed to be Triple H's crowning moment because oh yeah, he was destined to win this King of the Ring, but because he decided to hug Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and Razor Ramon at Madison Square Garden. Despite all of them not being punished, I mean, two of them went to WCW, but Sean, you can't punish Sean. He's the best wrestler you've got. He's your champ, so you can't punish the champ. So Hunter Hearst Helmsley took the brunt of the punishment, and so this 
honor of King of the Ring 96 would be put on hold for him. He would win it in 1997. In fact, Hunter Hearst Helmsley wouldn't even make the card tonight. He would be in a dark match against Aldo Montoya. Hello, 1996. As well as the free-for-all match, which was the Bonnie, which was the Body Donnas, Skip and Zip, with Cloudy taking on the New Rockers, Leaf Cassidy, and Marty Jannetty. The Body Donnas defeated them in eight minutes and six seconds. Now, and do so, you know who Cloudy is? We get introduced to Cloudy in this show. Yes. Cloudy is not Sonny. She is not. He is not. JR and Vince on commentary because Jerry Lawler has a match tonight. And so. we have a very special commentator for this evening in the King of the King of Hearts. Yeah, former King of the Ring winner Owen Hart gets to join us for commentary, and I thought he did a very good job throughout the night. I did too. He did break character, but yet he was very helpful and added to the commentary table. Our opening match is a semifinals match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and your favorite wrestler, the wild man Mark Marrow. Formerly Johnny B. Bad of WCW fame, he's out with Sable. Austin's the heel and Marrow's the face. Sable's outfit, oh, they're looking very nice, Sable. Marrow hits a head scissors takedown early. Austin comes back with a hip toss. Marrow grabbed a headlock while JR put over Austin's fantastic mat wrestling skills. He was a great Matt Wrestler, but after he suffered a neck injury a few years later, he had to change his style into a brawler. Austin hit his Thez Press takedown and almost took Marrow's head off. It was not a very pretty Thez Press attempt. Marrow hit a back body drop, leading Austin going to the floor. Marrow runs the ropes, but Austin avoids him and sends Marrow over the top to the floor. Austin removes some padding off the floor, exposing the concrete. He picks Marrow up, drops him face first onto the floor. Austin hits a suplex, followed by an elbow smash to the throat. Austin has a hard whip into the corner a couple times and then applies a Boston Crab in the middle of the ring with Owen saying Marrow is gutless and a quitter. Marrow was able to twist his way out of it, Merrill tries a small package, gets a two count. Austin comes back with a back elbow. Then he goes to the Boston Crab again. Merrill's able to get a couple of near falls, though, out of this as he rolls him up. Merrill applies a sleeper, but Austin counters it with a jawbreaker, which looks like a Stone Cold Stunner. Vince says, oh, what a devastating maneuver. Austin tossed Merrill into the turnbuckle, so Merrill jumped back and hit him with a flying back attack. A flying rear view, as I called it. Merrill nails a drop kick that hits Austin right in the mouth that causes Austin's mouth to bleed profusely. Yeah, it busted him open. Merrill hits a back body drop, a double axe handle, and then Merrill sends Austin over the top, tries a somersault plancha onto Austin on the floor and nails it. Then there's a good shot of Austin's bloody mouth on the floor as he is still bleeding from his attack earlier. Austin's still on the floor. Marrow takes him down with a suicide dive. They get back in the ring. Marrow hits a missile drop kick. Then Marrow hits a Frankensteiner off the top turnbuckle, but only gets a two count. Austin picks him up and hits a stun gun. On the top ropes, his finisher from WCW. That's not enough. He picks him up, hits a Stone Cold Stunner, 
and gets the win in 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Steve Austin moves on, and your boy Mark Merrow, sadly his night, has come to an end. Thank God. Thank God nothing. I know you're disappointed. No, I'm not. I was hate to I, – I really – I kind of was disappointed to see that he was on this card. Jake Roberts gets interviewed by Doc Hendricks, which is, of course, Michael Hayes. Uh, he sort of gets a little religious, and he just says he's ready for Vader. All right, Jake, obviously the sentimental favorite here in the King of the Ring tournament. You've overcome a lot of obstacles in your life, but the largest one is looming in front of you now. The 450-pound Vader stands in the way of your quest to become King of the Ring. You know, I was blind, but now I see. I was deaf, and now I can hear. You know, I was, my soul was purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Brother. So how can I lose if I just go out there and know the power above is reaching down and lifting me up? Yes, 450 pounds is nothing you want to play with, and I don't plan on playing, but I'll tell you something. If I was going to rob a bank, I wouldn't walk in the front door. I'd sneak up from behind. It's time to get serious. If I can get by Vader, I know I got stone cold. Lord help me. I'm going to do it. Best of luck, Jake. Back to you, Vince and JR. Vader enters with Jim Cornette, and here we go. Vader Vader does an armbar takedown on Roberts to wear him down. Vader hits a running body splash, as Vince called it. Oh, forget about it. And he did it again. A splash on the mat by Vader, and that's two count. Then Roberts gets his boot up and a knee lift and knocks Vader down. Vader pounds on Roberts in the corner with punches. Vader hits him with some more punches. Roberts hits a short clothesline, which you know what that means. Time for the DDT. Jake Snake Roberts picks him up, grabs hold of the head, getting ready to drop him. As he's dropping him with the DDT, Vader grabs, grabs the referee. Vader grabs Mike Kyoto and drags him down with him. Ding, ding, ding. Vader's DQ'd. Jake Roberts wins by DQ in three minutes and 34 seconds. I think the old dog might actually be able to pull this one off tonight as he moves forward into the main event to face Stone Cold Steve Austin. But if he does, he's going to be injured because Vader, not happy with the result, splashes Roberts in the corner two times. Cornette holds the ref in the corner from stopping it. Then he hits a Vader bomb. Other refs come out to stop him from doing it again. But guess what? Vader does it again. Then Owen said, Vader didn't grab the referee, even though it's clear that he did. So Owen doing his heel commentary. The next match. Oh boy, get your denim out, folks. It's time for the Smoking Guns versus the, the Godwins. I enjoyed the uh, the the lambs that the uh, Billy, the baby Billy goats that the Godwins brought out to the ring. Did you ever notice that Phineas's middle initials I and Henry's middle initials O? So it's pig and a hog. <laughs> really? Yes. I did not know that. While the match is in progress, we get an interview with Cloudy, who is a male wrestler who is now the valet for the Body Donnas after Sonny left. Bart and Henry exchange strikes and clotheslines. Phineas and Henry double-team Bart and work Bart's arm. Billy cheap shots Henry and gets the tag. Billy hits a snap mare to Henry for a two-count. Bart tags in, takes over. The guns are in control for the entire time. Billy hits a Famouser for two on Henry. 
Henry small packages Billy for a two count. Billy misses a stinger splash, then Bart makes an illegal tag and the ref counts it even though Henry can't make the hot tag. Bart misses an Alabama jam to Henry, so he gets the tag to Phineas. Phineas runs wild. The guns double clothesline them. Bart decks Phineas with a boot, and the smoking guns win the match and retain the title. Sonny is the only over person in this match and gets chance as the guns leave. Well, this is 96, and she was the most downloaded person. On AOL. On AOL in 1996. Doc Hendricks is with Camp Cornette. Cornette, Clarence Mason, and Bulldog are very confident about the title match tonight. And then all of a sudden in the background, we see the special ref, Mr. Perfect. He's in the locker room with the heels. He's just getting some tape out of his bag. He, he's not doing anything. JR and Vince are appalled that Mr. Perfect was in the dressing room. Then Jerry the King Lawler. Hey, there you are, buddy. He's out next, and he wants to go sit on the throne and check out the scepter. He is a, ten, uh, he is a king, of course, so he wants to check out the King of the Rings stuff. I love how he antagonizes the crowd here as he's yes. walking to the ring. He insults the Wisconsin crowd as he comes to the ring. The king has arrived! Burnt hands and all. Right. Oh, yeah! Nice robe! Nice crown! Nice throne! <laughs> but I've been there and I've done that! Me too. Hey! Nice scepter! I think that's better than the one I got at the castle. <laughs> and now, Milwaukee! You bunch of losers! Uh-oh. Just like your baseball team, the Milwaukee Brewers, you're a bunch of losers! Hey, but let me tell you something. The name should explain it. The name says it all. My goodness. And I bet that's what you people do all the time. Look at this guy. Hey, I bet a big night for you is to get all sassed up and go out and pet the farm animals in it, huh? Oh, no! Take a look! Can you see this guy? See him? I saw him a while ago back in the bathroom. He was getting a drink of water. And then the seat fell and hit him on the head. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The king is not ingratiating himself. Is that your face or did your neck throw up? (laughs) Oh, Jerry. He speaks the truth. You people are disgusting! You're pathetic! Hey! Look at her! Nice to see you off the streets for a change! <laughs> What's the matter? Strip clubs closed tonight? Woo! Uh, I, I think we just need to apologize. Speaking of Burger King, I think you made one too many trips there, hadn't you? On behalf of the. Uh, hey, when you wear blue, do people try to mail letters at you? Jerry the King Lawler. Oh my goodness. Look at these two. Take a good look at her face. Oh, do I have to? It's girls like you that turn men into, well, people like gold dust. It's got that right, too. I want to tell you something. The Henny Youngman of the WWE. You are, without a doubt, the most pathetic bunch of losers that I have ever seen in my entire life. And you don't deserve 
to be graced by royalty like me. You should all be down on your hands and knees and kissing my royal feet. Do you understand that? Couldn't have sent up better myself. Yeah, I don't have to wonder what the uh, warrior is is thinking. Now everyone was glad to see the ultimate warrior come back. <laughs> but you know what? He has overstayed his welcome. And I tried to make things right with him. I offered him a peace offering of a beautiful hand-painted portrait that I did. And there you have it. But he didn't recognize me ago. as the true artist that I am. He called me a con artist. But you know what? I still presented him that portrait. I framed the ultimate warrior. And when you frame a picture, the only thing left to do with it is hang it. And that's what the king is gonna do to the warrior tonight. When I get through with his face, he'll look like a Picasso painting. <laughs> he recaps the portrait segment from Raw, which involved him smashing the warrior over the head with a picture of himself. That picture was awesome, by the way. Warrior comes out and gets cheap-shotted by the scepter. King chokes Warrior with some knuckle tape. Then Lawler tries a pile driver, gets it. But this is Ultimate Warrior. He no-sells it. No-selled the hell out of it. He hops up, clothesline, shoulder tackle, and covers him on his knees. He puts his knees on top of Lawler. One, two, three. The Ultimate Warrior wins again. Showboats grabs the crown from the king. And uh, there you go. Enjoys himself. I like that match. Well, to get Warrior over as a top babyface, it definitely worked. And to get people hating King even more. We recap the Mankind-Undertaker feud. The Mankind-Undertaker feud has been going on since the end of WrestleMania 12, so this has gone on a while, and it'll go on for a little while longer, too. Undertaker cheap shots Mankind as his entrance scene was playing. Undertaker appeared on the turnbuckle and clotheslined him. Undertaker hits old school on Mankind. Mankind takes Undertaker to the outside of the ring. We get a Cactus Jack elbow to Taker on the mats. Mick throws Taker to the stairs and then grabs a couple of chairs, throws one in the ring, and then runs the other one towards the Undertaker, but Taker gets a boot up. And Taker back body drops Mick on the concrete. Another concrete bump for Mick Foley. This is why the man can barely walk today. Taker grabs the chair and whacks Mick in the back, behind the ref's back. Taker looks for a tombstone, but Mick drops out and hits a swinging neckbreaker. Mick goes for the mandible claw, but it gets blocked. Taker gets thrown out of the ring, and Mick runs his knees into Taker's head on the steps, and then body slams him on the concrete. Mankind tries another cactus elbow, but Taker hits him with a chair to block it. Then he hits Mankind with an unprotected head chair shot. Taker hits his leaping clothesline in the ring. Mankind uses the urn, but Bear takes it away. Mandible claw again to Taker. Bear accidentally decks Taker with the urn, and Mankind uses the mandible claw to put the Undertaker out and get the big win. Clean victory. As it's rare to see the Undertaker take a loss. He took one here, and he'd be taking one again very soon, as Uncle Paul would... Be turning on Undertaker very soon. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this feud is far from over. 
and yet there are still so many twists and turns left for it to to lead to. Doc Hendricks thinks it's weird Mr. Perfect dressed in the heels locker room. Mr. Perfect says, I, I don't really think so. Mr. Perfect says he'll do a good job as a ref. Right down the middle. Now it's time for Goldust to take on Ahmed Johnson, who Goldust performed mouth-to-mouth on earlier this month on Raw. Listen, he was knocked out. He was worried. Trying to save his life. He was. He was worried he he might not have been breathing, and so he he tried to do CPR. uh, Time for some gay bashing as Ahmed decks Goldust before he can get his robe off. Ahmed nearly necks himself on a suicide dive to gold dust. This man should not be trying suicide dives. Ahmed chucks the steps at gold dust but misses, thankfully. Gold dust smacks Ahmed a few times. He decks Ahmed with some ring steps. Then gold dust puts Ahmed in a camel clutch for ages. Dustin works over Ahmed's lower back before locking Ahmed in a headlock as Ahmed is gassed and needs to rest for a while. Ahmed counters a sunset flip and gets a few open hand slaps from Goldust for his trouble. Goldust hits a very safe pile driver on Ahmed. This man's head not near the mat at all. He slithers on Ahmed for a sexy two count cover. Goldust then puts him to sleep again and once again goes for the mouth to mouth spot. This apparently fires Ahmed up. And hammers Goldust with strikes, a Pearl River plunge, and Ahmed Johnson. Congratulations, you are the new Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Even though you don't deserve it, you did little in this match, and you are a terrible wrestler. So congratulations. They they loved Ahmed at this point in time. Oh, I know. They had big plans for him. He could have been The Rock. The Rock spot in the nation. I always mention it. It was originally intended for Ahmed. How things could have changed. Ahmed could have been been living The Rock's life right now as we speak. We get a promo for the next In Your House. Aliens abduct Sonny and a fan. Stay tuned for In Your House next month. Coliseum exclusive shows us the faces in the back with the new IC belt. Oh, it's time to party. Yeah. Champagne pouring on Ahmed. Shawn Michaels walks up and hugs him. Oh, it's just a big party. And then surprise, surprise, it's the loose cannon Brian Pillman walking out. He's on crutches from his Hummer accident that nearly killed him. The loose cannon cuts a promo on the state of Wisconsin and says it's a state that really belongs to Jeffrey Dahmer. Brian says Brian F. and Pillman does whatever he wants. And then, in kind of a cool moment, On the way out, Pillman encounters Austin on the way to the ring, so the two Hollywood blondes share a little high-five moment for a second. That was kind of cool. Well, it was interesting for them to kind of hint at what another, what the competitor at this point in time had done. I found that to be interesting. Yeah, Pillman's got a gun coming soon. So Austin's on his way for the King of the Ring finals. He got 16 stitches in his lips from the first match. Yes. Austin attacks Jake as soon as Jake the Snake enters the ring. Jake can't even make it to his feet. Jake's offense in this match, one punch. And then Austin goes right back on the beat down. Gorilla Monsoon comes in to check on Jake. Oh, Jake, are you okay to go? You good to go? And as he's checking on Jake, Jake wakes up. Calls for the DDT, but Austin rams him into the turnbuckle. Hits the stunner, and Austin beats Jake the Snake Roberts. The dream is over. The comeback has ended. 
And then, of course, we go into the most famous promo of all time. I don't really need to recap it. I'll include it here. But you know, and I know what he says. And totally changed the course of WWF history. Oh, it changed his career. I consider this moment to be the turning point. This this moment right here, the turning point from the new generation to the Attitude Era. I could be wrong. That's my personal opinion. But that's what I, I credit this this moment to that fact. Well, what's funny about this moment is in today's WWE, it would never happen again. No. Because Austin had to, you know, ad-lib this thing. Had to had to be creative on his own and yeah. come up with something off the script. You know, in today's WWE, it probably would have been like, Jake, you just got bit by the snake, the snake of Austin. Yeah. You know, just something totally someone would not say. Not a, right. a human being wouldn't say these words. But Austin, of course, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Now the coronation begins. Let's take you up to Doc Hendricks. Doc, go ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my oh, ring. Come on. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. He is stone cold. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird. All right, stop And it. try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. All right, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's and his remarks, yes, 1996 WWF King of the Ring. As far match is considered, son, I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come. And when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Yeah, you can't script that. And, and I mean, the the very next night, I uh, like I said, I've been watching the 96 uh, Rawls, which is what made me pick this pay-per-view this week because I was at this point. And um, sure enough, man, the, the very next night on Raw, it's the God's honest truth. There was Austin 316 signs everywhere. I mean, it literally caught fire overnight and changed the course of Steve Austin's career forever. Well, we say that, but he was left off the SummerSlam card. So, it wasn't overnight. It wasn't like overnight this guy was now number one main eventer. No, but I mean, he the very next night he worked the main event with, with Undertaker. So, he, he had pushed himself up just a little bit, at least past mid-card, in my opinion. Yeah, he proved himself as a serious contender, yeah. The Sega Saturn blimp is flying high above us. Gorilla 
comes in for the main event, and he says, guess what, Mr. Perfect? Yes, you can be a referee, but only an outside referee. That other evil ref, Earl Hebner, he's going to be the main referee. Don't trust him. The bulldog comes out, pulls out the UK flag, and gets booed. And Shawn Michaels gets the default USA chant, even though Shawn, there's nothing Mr. USA about Shawn Michaels, but whatever. Bulldog poses and does a front somersault for no reason. Sean and Bulldog do side headlock takeovers into a head scissors a few times before Sean locks in a side headlock. Bulldog tries a back suplex, but Sean reverses into a snapmare. Michael skins the cat and head scissors Bulldog over the ropes. Michaels hits a running Hurricane Rana off the ring apron to Bulldog out on the mats, which was awesome. And then he grabs Cornette's tennis racket and decks him with it. And then the action slows down quite a bit. We see Diana Hart in the uh, crowd. She's watching on. Bulldog decides to go to a headlock, as would be his strategy for the match, as he is gassed out three minutes into this match. He tries a press slam, which Sean leaps out of. Sean is just so much faster than Bulldog, and Sean is able to dodge any attack Bulldog has. More rest holds from Bulldog to keep Sean grounded. Bulldog press slams Michaels outside of the ring, and he does it while facing the other direction, so he just dumps Sean backwards over the ropes. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. I'm not taking that. No, dropped him a good 10 feet. Bulldog vertical suplexes Sean out on the mats, and Bulldog press slams Sean back into the ring. Sean gets whipped to the ropes, flare flips, and then gets clotheslined by Davy Boy. Davy Boy tries a surfboard, and trying to watch him lock on this surfboard was very tedious. This man could not... This is, he's not meant for surfboards, guys. Michaels rolls the pressure onto Bulldog's shoulders, though, to break it up. Bulldog goes back to the headlock, his favorite move of this match. Sean hits a crossbody for two. Another headlock to Sean Michaels from Bulldog. Sean tries a running power slam on Bulldog. Bulldog reverses it, tries one of his own. Sean slips out, and Bulldog just clotheslines him. Bulldog hits a pile driver and then goes upstairs for a dive. This man should not go to the top turnbuckle. (laughs) He goes upstairs for this dive and completely slips and falls flat on his fucking face as he comes down. Bulldog then uh, superplexes Sean for a two count. Bulldog tries a super back suplex, but Sean hops out of it and turns it into a crossbody. Bulldog counters a Hurricane Rana into a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Sean hits a flying clothesline, kips up, slams Bulldog, goes for his top turnbuckle elbow, hits it. Michaels hits the sweet chin music, an ugly one. A very weird thing happened as Earl was counting the three because you see Mr. Perfect in the background slide in and make the count at the same time. Because he's the referee as well. So we had double count. One, two, three. But as as Earl was going down with his three count, Perfect was pulled out by Owen Hart. Which is very odd that Owen wouldn't go in and hit Hebner first and then kick. He was late to the party. And so Earl's count counts. Shawn Michaels is your winner. And now it's Owen and Bulldog taking on Shawn Michaels until who makes the save? Ahmed Johnson, his best friend from three minutes ago in the back, comes out to make the save. And then Vader runs out to 
make it three on two for the heels. And then of all the people I thought would run out to save Shawn Michaels, the ultimate warrior comes out and saves Michaels from a Vader bomb. And that's the end of the show. We get a Coliseum home video exclusive where the heels cut a promo on International Incident, where it would be originally scheduled to be the three of them taking on Sean, Ahmed, and Warrior. As we know, Warrior did not make it to that event. They instead signed Psycho Sid. So this is the end of the Ultimate Warrior's pay-per-view run. Why did Warrior not make it to that event? For the fans who out there that do not know. Well, the Ultimate Warrior had had a... uh, contentious working relationship with this company even since the early 90s he had uh held vince up for money once before and uh that was pretty much the end of him no he no he came back after that yeah vince has forgiven him multiple times so he held vince up for money he was still brought back but then so at the end of uh, WrestleMania 8, you might remember that Warrior runs out at the end of the uh, Sid and Hogan match. Saves Hogan. Right. And then he would work SummerSlam in 92, of course, against Macho Man. The Warrior left in November 92. That was around the steroid allegation stuff. And uh, Vince had said that Warrior had been using growth hormone. Warrior got suspended and then skipped dates because he was pissed off that Vince ratted him out for a growth hormone. He left in November. He would return in 96, and then, yeah, he was supposed to be at the next In Your House pay-per-view here, but he was fired after he skipped several house shows, and Warrior's story was always that he took off to grieve the death of his father, uh, though a lot of publications have mentioned that Warrior was not close with his father. In fact, they hadn't spoken in years. And so the WWF didn't buy it and cut him loose. And so the next time we see Warrior is in uh, the One Warrior Nation in WCW. But So this is the end of the Warrior's run, his 96 run, which, I mean, to his credit, the fans went crazy for him. If, if you were to ask me who were the top baby faces on this show... Oh, yeah. He might even be more popular than Shawn Michaels. I mean, just based on the reaction that yeah, he got. Yeah, the uh, tons of signs for him. He, this 96 run for him, he was right up there with with Shawn as most popular. And that's why it was so shocking for me to hear that he got fired. Well, and it's so weird. It's weird that they brought him back because, especially on this show, on King of the Ring, where you have one legend and Jake the Snake, where, oh, he's washed up. Yeah. This is his last chance at redemption. But on the other hand, you have someone like Ultimate Warrior, who's, you know, around the same age as Jake the Snake and a legend from previous years. But it's not he's washed up and trying one last time. It's, oh my God, he's the superstar, you right. know? And the same thing goes with uh, those you know, scheme gene and all that shit where they were making fun of WCW. Oh, everybody over there is old. Well, here's the ultimate warrior, you know? So yeah, it was uh, kind of a weird time. And I mean, you know, in WCW, the NWO was starting up. The NWO would be starting up, uh, what was Bash at the Beach? What month was that? I mean, the business was about to change big time. Bash at the Beach was in July. So this is right before the industry 
totally sort of changes in general. I mean, right. And the days of cartoony characters like the Ultimate Warrior, as much fun as he is, you know, um, those days were gone. Yeah, the uh, the neon '90s cartoon characters that that was coming to an end. Right. I mean, you even go as far as to see uh, Macho Man change his gimmick from being, you know, the cowboy hat and the tassels and all that to the madness. Yeah. Well, and even in in '96, believe it was '96, Macho Man took a. Uh, took a break after Halloween Havoc because that was when Piper came in. Right. And Macho Man was off TV for a few months. So, yeah, even someone like Macho Man even took a break and said, you know, I've got to figure out how to work in this new kind of reality era or whatever. So, honestly, I think the best thing Warrior did for the company was to leave because you can't have... You can't have a character like Ultimate Warrior and Stone Cold Steve Austin coexisting. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't going to take on someone like Ultimate Warrior. Right. You know? And He's not going to take on a cartoon villain, you know. Well, and you and I both know, had it happened, per se, uh, Austin would have would have called him out on that shit. Right. Publicly. And Warrior and, wasn't going to go for that. And Warrior, Warrior takes his character very, very seriously. Yeah. And so uh, it there it just wasn't a fit for him at this point in time. Like I said, I, I credit I credit this moment of Austin winning King of the Ring as the the turning point of new gen, of the new generation to the Attitude Era. And well, and it didn't happen overnight. I no. know that we like to to think that, but it de- it definitely didn't happen overnight. No, it didn't. But it uh, you started seeing more. Very quickly, that was not... Edgier storylines, yeah. Right. Pillman's got a gun. Right. And so, uh, there was just not a spot for Ultimate Warrior in that... In that There wasn't a role for him in that, in that time frame, in that locker room. I almost look at it like Sting's character. Like, imagine if Sting didn't change into the Crow Sting, if he didn't change his character. There's no place for... Blonde-haired, flat-top, fun beach beach boy Sting yeah. in this era. So even Sting, someone that came into the business with Jim Hellwig, understood that I'm going to have to change because I mean we're a month away from from the business doing a complete 180. There was no good guys or bad guys anymore. It was who, cool heels. Yeah, yeah, it's like who who is your loyalty with? It wasn't I'm a fan of. It was who's your loyalty with? Because well, on the lines between good and bad, it's not so. I hate to use the analogy, but white hat, black hat. Yeah, this guy's good. This guy's bad. You know. Right. It, the lines were blurred. Right. I mentioned it about the Royal Rumble every year about the the legend that you know needs to break through and. I kind of admire what they did with Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, he, he had to lose to Austin in right. the end. But he got that close, you know. I know, it, it yeah. Was, it was so cool because he, he got that close, and so that made people, for him to have this little bit of a longer run before he was let go after after uh, Warrior, 
to, oh, and what they did with him afterwards with the the Jerry Lawler and the booze and all that stuff that was, it was terrible. It oh, was yeah. terrible the way they treated him. Um, right. But I do like the idea. I think it's an idea that isn't used enough of a guy that's down and out, or not necessarily down and out, but a guy that's he's you know we well we talked about it gold dust. I would yeah. love to see Dustin Rhodes get that get that one push. I mean, I'm not saying put the title on him, but put his ass in a main event. I thought he looked great tonight, by the way, speaking yeah. of uh, Dustin Rhodes, because Ahmed Johnson looked like shit. Yeah. And no, Dustin Rhodes he, really worked his ass off. He that carried match. that match, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to see a, to see the likes of a gold dust or Mr. Perfect, God rest his soul. Uh, I didn't think Mr. Perfect really added much to the main event. No, but he would have been... We talked about it. Him, you know, being the final three or final four at the rumble. Oh, in that rumble at the 02, rumble in two thousand two. Yeah. If yeah. they had done something further after that, that would have been. I'm just saying, they. There's a few times that they've actually thought about it, but they never follow through. If they follow through, I really believe it would be huge, because the crowd is going to get behind. You know, this this Cinderella story, this last time, you know, ditch effort, dig down. Do yeah. I do I have that one more run in me? They did with Goldberg, but let's be honest. It, it well, that's a little different. He's returning, you know. Yeah. It's not like he's been there the whole... If Gold if Goldberg had been there the last 13 years and had just been wallowing in the mid-card, you know, and yeah. then... That's the kind of jump that I always want to see made is as a mid card to a main eventer, or a guy that you. I mean, I'm not going to say Goldust was ever a main eventer, but he was he was an upper echelon mid card, or he wasn't yeah. he wasn't down bottom of the you know working main event or whatever. Right. I mean, he. You're talking about the pay per view before this. He's coming off the likes of working a casket match with Taker and to main event the damn thing. So, you know, it was very. I would. I'm with you. I would love to see that that kind of a uh, storyline worked in. You know, does this does the old dog have? You know, he's he's been mid card all these years. He's come back because he he believes that he can be main eventer. He believes he can actually win that title. He's never held that title. He, I'm going to do it or I'm going to retire. Uh, getting back to the the card, I thought Mark Merrow actually looked pretty decent. Um, you know, he does a lot of high flying stuff. He's really slow at it. Yeah. Uh, but he tries his best, and I think he's really underrated. You know, as a, I think he gets a lot more shit than he deserves. I know you hate no, his he, guts. No, I but, hate I hate his fucking guts. But with I a think he he does his best. And I think he did a pretty good job in that opening match against Austin. I yeah. think he was a good yeah. a good pick for the opening match. A good job busting his damn mouth open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for the stitches, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hated the Smoking Guns match with the Godwins. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just have never gotten into these two tag teams. That was just to see Sonny in... She's the most over. Daisy she Dukes. was amazing in the mid-90s. Yeah. I loved uh, the the idea of Jake and Vader. I really enjoyed that because not only you saw Vader in trouble, but Vader didn't lose. 
it was a good way of of ending that match. I feel like. Well, and they didn't want two heels in the final, so. Right. Yeah, it was a good way. I mean, he got the SummerSlam main event, so it kept him strong. Right. Unfortunately, we know what happened with the SummerSlam main event, and uh, that was the end of Vader in the main event picture. The uh, I loved King Warrior. I really did. Oh, a squash match. It was fine, and, and King really knows how to get people riled up. Uh Gotta say, guys, Mankind and Undertaker really let me down on this really? show. Really? I didn't, I just didn't, they were kind of moving slow for me. They really? just didn't, they've had much better matches together, I think it's fair well, to yeah. say. And, but I mean, this is early in their run. And this goes eighteen twenty one. It was nice to see someone get get a win on Undertaker, which is very rare. Cleanly. And especially a guy, well, he did get hit with the urn, but... To have a guy that's smaller than Undertaker, even though, I mean, Mick Foley's a big man, but not. Because usually they bring in giants. Yeah, to usually with. it's like Kane or Sid or something like that. Yeah, but to see a guy that's just sick and twisted to a level that Undertaker can't, I think that's a good, that it, was good. It was a good comparison. It was good to have someone like that get over on the Undertaker. Um, but the match itself, it, it was really slow. I like we said, they would have better matches. Yeah, like we said, Goldust Ahmed. Ahmed. Oh, Ahmed sucks. He is damn terrible. near broke. Damn near broke his neck as he leaps over the top rope. He for is that, awful for that suicide dive. I can't believe was... they were so high on this guy. But if you looked at him, I'd say he looked great. Oh yeah, he he, the body of a million dollars, but the work ethic of a nickel. Just I mean, sloppy. Yeah. Um, uh, the King of the Ring final, that was just to tell a story. And then uh, Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog, I thought Shawn tried his best, but, man, uh, British Bulldog was just gassed out. He was tired, and he went to rest holds quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, that's good if you're trying to tell some sort of story about – this wasn't to tell a story. This was I am fucking tired, and we are going to lay down here in this ring. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're coming off the likes of – of him working with with good workers, I mean he here he right. is. Iron he Man just match. he just went an he just went an hour with with Brett and I I went back and watched that match earlier this month and I swear to God you can watch it a hundred times over and you don't realize it's an hour. It really goes by that quickly. But just all the better competition, even even Work, Kevin Nash is yeah is worked some. with Diesel. Even Kevin Nash was someone better to work with. When he worked with Sid, it was better. When he worked with Scott Hall, it was better. And I know that these guys worked a lot of matches together, British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. They go back a long way, but it's really on Bulldog's conditioning. Yeah, we're not not knocking Bulldog. Let's – I mean, I I love the British Bulldog. Yeah, an awesome look, man. Very underrated. I I love the British Bulldog. When he was on, like – the match, I mean, I'll, I hate to always go back to it, but SummerSlam 92, you know, he had just finished smoking crack the night before, and Brett pulled this amazing match. Oh, in Wembley? Yeah. yeah. It, that is, that to my, that's my favorite Bulldog match. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it, it literally is, is outstanding. And it's, yeah, part of it is because of the crowd, but part of it too, he, he does an amazing job. I mean, Brett leads him through it but it's still you know when he was in good enough shape to be able to keep up 
Yeah, where, and, where here he couldn't. Yeah, and that's just sadly when you when you're inflated to that kind of, it's just going to take a toll on your cardio. There's just no way around it. Well, and, and I think this is why he was teamed with Owen right after this. To hide him, yeah. Yeah, because... if you can get him in and sport... Right, like, that tag team with Owen was great because he could come in and work a few minutes and tag out to yeah. a guy that's got a lot more gas in yeah. the tank. Right, so. and so... Because, I mean, this is pretty much the the end of Bulldog's single career. As a main eventer, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he came back in 99, but I... That, yeah. was, that was bad, too. They didn't really know what the hell they were doing with him then. So on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, this is King of the Ring 96. Isn't it nice, though, that they didn't give Austin the uh, crown and the scepter and made him do all the king puns? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't believe he would have done it even if they said you got to. So, yeah. Where do you rank this one on our scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez? Well, keeping with royalty, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Jerry the King Lawler. That's a very good rating for this one. You have picked some very good ratings uh, for the past few shows. I'm going to go with a Gold Dust. That's uh, a good one, too. That is where I'll put this one on because... It's an easy watch. Yeah, it's definitely an easy watch when you consider, like... I mean, the Jake and Vader match is three minutes. The Warrior match is three minutes. And then the Stone Cold finish with Jake yeah. is four minutes. So right. the the things you really want to see on the mat on the entire King of the Ring tournament takes ten minutes. So right. Yeah. The rest so. of it, I would be uh, has I would you know that little fast forward by ten second button. I'd keep that handy through uh, most of it. But, you get uh, to the main event to see Sean in his ninety six title run prime. He looked fine. Riding the highs, I would recommend watching because it was entertaining with Perfect on the outside. But if if you're a true wrestling enthusiast and you want to see a great wrestling match, find another Sean match from 96 because <laughs> this, this isn't it. Yeah, I'd even look at some Raw matches from 96 and 97 for some of my favorite Sean performances. Well, that's where we went this week. Where, where are you taking us next week? Well, we are heading into March, which is a very historically significant month in the world of pro wrestling because March is, of course, where WCW died. March 26, 2001 was the final Nitro. We're going to go to the final WCW pay-per-view, WCW Greed. Oh, yes. March 18th, 2001. We're going to see none other than... Dusty Rhodes step in the ring against Ric Flair. With the natural Dustin Rhodes as his tag team partner to take on Ric Flair and the Hall of Famer, J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T in a tag team match. And of course, headlined by Scott Steiner with his head freak Medasia taking on Diamond Dallas Page, a Falls Count Anywhere match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I know we got a Booker T match in there somewhere and a DDP match. Yes, we do. Booker T takes on Rick Steiner. Oh, wow. We got Rick's. Rick, okay. And we got a. Do we have a DDP match? In yeah, there? DDP takes on Scott Steiner. Oh, okay. He's the main event. He's the main event. Sorry about that. 
But this is a uh, this is a pay per view that, of course, probably didn't come out on VHS since the company would go out of business a week later. And uh, yeah, Tape Library is the only way to get this. <laughs> yeah, on the network is the only way. This also features the very ugly WCW logo they tried out at the very end. And it features the debut of a guy named Jason Jett on pay-per-view. The opening match, which I think will both be very pleasantly surprised by uh, Jason Jett's work. He does some really cool shit in this first match. Really? As I I previewed it, I snuck ahead a little bit and previewed it for uh, next week. But since we are going into March, why not remember March, a very important month. Well, I am very. We're heading into that that WrestleMania area, so I'm, I may pick a WrestleMania here in the future. Just that's fine. We're getting close. You know, I'm, we don't we don't jump all over them, but you know, here or there. So. Where can they find you on the interwebs, Patrick? I am at uh, Facebook, uh, Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling. Type it in, bring me right up. You can uh, also find me on our Facebook page for the uh, for the radio show. Yeah, Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook page or RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. That'll redirect you to the Twitter page. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. <laughs>